What's Good Podcast. Are you ready? Your number one source. To all the keys in the industry. With Brianna Javon. It's the What's Good Podcast. What's good? Hey, ladies and gents. This is your girl, Brianna Javon, with What's Good Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We are in season four, and we are super excited to get started today. As you guys know, we do not have interviews. Instead, we have genuine conversations with you ladies and gents. So let's get it started. Today, we have an amazing, fabulous guest. Her name is Elisa Harrison. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming today. Well, as you guys know, we always get started with icebreakers. So are you ready for your icebreaker? I'm ready. Awesome. All right. So your icebreaker is, what would you be doing right now if you weren't here? Oh, on the beach, enjoying the sand and some beautiful sunsets in Costa Rica. That's exactly what I'd be doing right about now. That sounds amazing. I don't know why I thought it was going to be like, you know, I'd probably be doing some work right now or something like no, that. No, ma'am. On a vacation. Absolutely. No, ma'am. It would not be work right now if I had my way. I would be just enjoying and soaking up some sun. Well, let's go ahead and get into the genuine conversation with that being stated. Absolutely. Who is Elisa <laughs> Harrison? So I would say, well, I'm definitely a woman who grew up in small town southern backwoods culture. I grew up, I, I like to tell people, you know, I grew up in backwoods Alabama and rural Mississippi. And I had to get out. I grew up very, um, it was very much religious, but not in the sense that was necessarily healthy. Um, I have had a very close relationship with Jesus since I was young. And in growing in that, a lot of the man's traditions surrounding church and religion just was not matching up. So uh, as soon as I graduated high school, I left. I went to school in Tennessee. As soon as I was done, I moved to Dallas. So I've been here for almost 20 years. And um, so that's a little bit of background, but I did, I will say that I had big dreams because what I saw growing up wasn't, and it's no diss to anybody who's still there. It just was not for me. I'm all about uplifting each other, you know, whether it's family, the community, and there are just certain mindsets on where I grew up specifically in those areas where people just walk around with a sense of hopelessness. And unfortunately, I experienced sexual assault at a very young age. Um, I was that stereotypical um, latchkey kid back then because I'm a Gen Xer. Just, you know, the divorce, you know, my parents were divorced, which was fine with me. I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't understand why they were together to begin with, even as a young kid, just because they are polar opposites. Uh, My mom was a church girl. My dad 
I mean, still trying to get his life together, love him to pieces, but like, come on, you're in your 60s, right. still trying to figure it out, still in these streets chasing tail. I mean, come on, like, it's about time to just get it together. Mm-hmm. Um, love my parents, love my family, but there's just so much more than the woe is me attitude. Mm-hmm. There's so much more than, oh, I just can't get ahead. Oh, you know, um, well, God, he'll make a way. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, yes, that's cute. Right. But what are, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. God is good. I'm not taking that away. But can we make some moves and focus on some discipleship and some mm-hmm. spiritual growth so you can get out of some of these legalistic habits that keep you in this same cycle? There's so much self-righteousness that goes on as if nobody is sinless and you just sweep all your stuff under the rug. And it gets to a point for me when I was getting a lot of backlash from family or it just seemed like I was the black sheep for whatever reason Mm -hmm. I just I just wanted to get out it just you know things weren't matching up I just wanted to be in a place where I could grow spiritually I wasn't doing that Um, I also wanted to be around people who had goals dreams aspirations can we make some moves you know life doesn't have to be This lets, you know, work two and three jobs or only making minimum wage. And I will have to, I'm going to put out there, especially for those who are not as familiar with Mississippi and Alabama, Mississippi, especially, there are not a lot of opportunities there. There just aren't. So even if you do want to make a difference in your community, you may have to leave and come back. What I wish was different was the level of support. Because if people had more support, Mm -hmm. once they left, they might want to come back. I am not one of those. I might go and visit a family member who is still with us from time to time. But other than that, it it was just a very depressing upbringing. There were a lot of things that were said behind the closed doors of my home that led to suicidal thoughts, depression. Like, had I not left, I don't think that I would be here. And I I say that loosely because every time I got close to some form of self-harm, God did step in. And you kind of have to pay attention to those times. But there was one time he just kind of snatched me out of a situation. So very grateful for that. And when I left, every time I needed something, because I left with a bag of clothes and I think $300. And that was from savings bonds that I had from when I was a kid. So that wasn't a ton of money. But because I didn't understand how um, dorm rooms and campus living works, I had no idea that when a spring break or Christmas break came up, you had to move out of the dorm. So what was I to do being a college kid at the time? And I was working full time, carrying a full course load. I couldn't quit. If I did, I wouldn't have money for books. Mm -hmm. So where was I to go? So there were a couple, 
more than a couple of times when I actually experienced what homelessness was. So we can get into whatever you would like today. I've probably seen it, experienced it, know it. And so I'm, I'm a very big believer on giving grace. I know that God gives us all grace. Um, and that's something that I try to work on, but also just being a big supporter of people when they're going through it and not turning your nose up. And I think maybe because I've experienced that from so many people who are relatives that just kind of touched my heart in such a way that whether it was with therapy or just spiritual growth, I kind of had to get to a place where I loved me, built some confidence. And now when I meet other people, especially women, and I hear them going through something, even if it's something they put themselves in, I'm like, let's do brunch, you know, we can talk about it. And I'm pretty much an open book with a lot of things. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. And so there's a couple of things that I want to pull out. But the one thing that's like, on my heart to ask, is that I've noticed and came into situations with people that I've met, where they actually get comfortable in those type of environments and it becomes a cycle and you know I'm always like you don't want to change that like I'm noticing based on what you tell me in your story is that you don't want to be involved in those situations you don't want to stay in that mindset and things of that nature so my question to you is what gave you that switch in that light bulb for one to say I don't want to be here Right. Because you can have those thoughts. But part two of that question is. You actually made an action plan and you implemented it. Right. So I want to know one where the switch came from and what that looked like. And then what was the process to make that change for yourself? Sure. For for me. And I don't know if this is going to sound cliche for anyone, but I, I honestly just stepped out on faith. And just to give a little tidbit of what was going on at the time, every time I came home, I was crying. I felt bad about myself because I was living with a parent who was constantly putting me down. Um, There were things said like, had my, you know, had I not had you, my life would look different, things like that. And it really hurts, especially coming from someone who is one of the first ones to walk through the church doors when they open. Mm -hmm. That kind of stuff is what wasn't matching up for me. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will say I was blessed enough to have a grandmother and an uncle who were in my life and they actually had most of the hand of raising me. So I got a chance to see what love really was. Um, if there was some discipline, they showed discipline because I needed it and it was out of love and it wasn't because they came home from work and they were upset about something. So I was their way to, you know, help them get their frustration out. It had gotten to a point, I think I, I mentioned earlier about the thoughts of just not wanting to be here. And I'm like, I know what the word says as far as who I am and how God sees me. I just, I have to make some moves. I don't know how. And 
because of where I was spiritually at the time, I was a very big planner. Let you know, I had a step A, B, C, you know, but my very first step was signing up for the military. So I was actually headed to the Marine Corps to get out. I needed, I wanted to get out so bad. And because of where I grew up in that small town, I mean, every military branch, they, they just hover. They flock to those high schools because you're living in poverty. They know that there are people who want to make something of their lives, somewhere to stay, some meals, some check. And yeah. so um, they kind of just vulture around, you know, and I was just looking at other friends signing up. Not a lot of people were going to college. I was smart enough for it. I was mostly an A student with some Bs here every once in a while. So it's not like I didn't have the academics to do anything else. Right. But in my tunnel vision, mm-hmm. I'm like, how am I going to get to a college that's not in the state of Mississippi? Mm-hmm. Like if I go to, and so in my thought process was, okay, I can go to school here. It'll be in-state tuition. Mm-hmm. That means I'm do an internship here oh that means I'm probably going to end up working some job whether it's nice good bad whatever but it's still going to be here and am I going to be brave enough later to leave so I'm like you know what so I had a conversation with God and I was like this is what I'm going to do here is how he works girl that's cute that's real cute you go into the Marine Corps, you're five four, and at the time I was like ninety two or ninety three pounds, oh, and <laughs> and he was like, "I'm gonna let you go through this." I was mm-hmm. going through the process, driving to Jackson, Mississippi, doing the physical. They found out I had scoliosis, which I didn't know, and mm-hmm. the only reason that I didn't know is because the very top and the very bottom of my spine line up. So as I'm moving about and walking in the world, you you can't tell, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but that was a huge concern. And they're like, well, you know, we want to get you to come back for that, to get checked. We need to make sure that, you know, you can reach and run and do all these things. Okay, great. Came back. They're like, we could probably get you a pass for that. It looks like you will be fine. We'll just check in. I'm like, great. I can get my little card. I can now get on the Air Force base um, in my hometown. I'm like, oh, I'm going to the military. I am getting out of Mississippi. And I will be honest, and I'm sorry if I offend any of our veterans or anyone who's currently in the military, but where my mind was, it wasn't about serving the country. It was about getting out of Mississippi. Right. And so... Everybody has their own reasons. Yeah. Just being honest. Uh Absolutely. But... Then my next checkup comes up and they're like, oh, you're underweight. You're still underweight. And around this time, Thanksgiving was coming around. The recruiter said, listen, this is what we're going to do. We need you to go home, eat all the food, all the bread and come back. But you have to be at, I believe they wanted me to be at they were trying to get me to 100 pounds, but because of where I was, they were like, if you can get to 98, that'd be great. People don't understand. Some of those, some of us are on the opposite end of the spectrum. And it's mm-hmm. not, oh, let me eat all this food and I'll gain weight. Let me eat all the desserts and all the carbs. It's a metabolism thing. 
So I go back and they're like, you know, can you drink a gallon of water before you step on the scale? I mean, I can do my best. Did I meet the weight? I didn't. I still came in underweight. Even to this day, I'm in my 40s and I'm still not 100 pounds. I finally hit 98 consistently, but I just can't get those extra two pounds. So um, they they were going through their situation and they're like, oh, we'll just put you on double rations when you get to boot camp. We want to try to roll. We just want to do what we can do to get you in. We're going to get you in. And they were so excited. So um, I was excited because I'm like, yes, you know, I don't have to worry about college loans or any of this other stuff I'm not really familiar with. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to the next semester, I go to the recruiter's office to sign some paperwork. An Air Force Base recruiter um, comes in and they're like, hey, you know, I know who you are, but your test scores are way too high for the Marine Corps. I want to talk to you. Because what we have for you over here um, in the Air Force is going to be this and it's going to be that and all of these things. For me, time was running out. Right. We're getting up on May, like graduation is right around the corner. And then I literally saw recruiters from both branches get out in a, they had an all out physical fight. And I'm like, you know what, if this is what it is. It, so it didn't happen. I graduated. Mm-hmm. Actually, right before I graduated, I filled out a college application to one school. It was not in Mississippi. It was um, in Memphis. It was Memphis State at the time, which is now the University of Memphis. And um, I got in, which I knew I would because my academics were where they wanted to be. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know what? It's not where I would have preferred which was Spelman. I don't know if, I mean, that tuition. And then it was like five and a half hours away. I'm like, I could, I think I could convince somebody to drop me off two and a half hours away, but five hours, I don't know. So I stuck with the University of Memphis. That's where I ended up. That's how I got out. I was like, you know, God just, be with me, just like you corrected that whole, oh, I'm going to the Marine Corps situation. (laughs) If I'm on the wrong track again, you will put me on a different track. And so that is what he's been doing throughout life. Mm -hmm. So when there are people out there who just don't get it and understand what faith can do for you, I mean... If you have ever had times when you had to do nothing but depend on him, Uh it just, it just takes you to another level. But I will say you have to continue to stay in the word, grow, get knowledge, understanding, and wisdom to stay in that place. But that's just a little bit about how early life got started. But going back to what you said, there are a lot of people who get stuck Right. In a particular uh, mentality. And Mm -hmm. I honestly think from well, from my experience, part of that has to do with the people who are surrounding you. Right. Because no one is surrounding you who's encouraging you and lifting you up. And if for whatever reason you don't have that 
let me step out on faith. I don't need to know every little detail about how it's going to work out. If you don't have that, you will be stuck. Because what was happening for me was, and it was all family. Oh, you know, what What are you thinking about doing when you graduate? This is before the whole military came up. And I okay. said, um, I want to go to school to be a fashion designer. Mm-hmm. And the response from someone was, well, first they laughed. And then they said, well, only gay white males succeed in that. Like, why would you want to do that? You don't see any black folks out here doing hmm. that. Wow. So I'm like, okay. And everybody just kept hounding me about it and making me feel bad. And you have to understand in that particular culture or mindset, you're the child. They're right. the adult. They mm-hmm. know what's best for you. Mm-hmm. They've been there and done that. So they say. Right. Um, so you need to listen because mm-hmm. you're young. You don't know anything. You don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And so the more and more people were like, well, what do you, why do you want to do that? And I said, you know what? I, I want to be, I think I want to go to law school. And then everybody is just like, oh, that's so great. That's just mm-hmm. wonderful. Nobody's looked at how much it costs to actually get an education to be an attorney. You really, you couldn't care less whether or not it was a passion of mine and if it's something I really wanted to do. But I will say, I don't think their comments were always intentional. Like, I don't think they wanted to cause intentional harm. Mm -hmm. But stuff like that is painful, especially when you put your heart out there and you're like, this is what I want to do. And all of a sudden, without even asking any questions, they just completely turn you down and just turn you away from that dream. And, but their heart and their mindset is more of less, do something that's gonna make you some money. Uh-huh. I, I get that, I, mm-hmm. I do, I really do. I honestly get that. But it also has to be something that person is either good at or really wants to do, or it's just not going to be a long-term thing. It might not even happen or whatever the case. So I did end up going to college, got a degree. I was always really good at English. So I chose that and I was on the law school track until I saw how much money it was. And I'm like, I never really liked mock trials and reading all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'll go ahead, like, I just kept pushing through and pushing through. Let me take the LSAT. Let me do. Mm -hmm. And every time something would come up, I even took it. And I just, I did. But here's the thing. Again, if you're on the wrong track and you're trusting God, he will take you right off that path. Because every school I looked at, I'm like, I still have student loans from Memphis. I'm trying to figure out life and putting a roof over my head. How is this going to work? Is this really in my heart? Because at the end of the day, whether you want to be climbing the corporate scale or whether you want to be an entrepreneur, there has to be some passion in you for that particular area for you to pursue. It's not just, oh, let me do this to make some money. Right. That's cute. And that money might be short-lived, 
but what is your quality of life? Because oftentimes what we don't think about is the mental strain that comes along with being on a path that you shouldn't be on and all of the unnecessary stress and anxiety that comes with it, which over time, if we keep doing it, leads to mental disorders. Yes. And you now already know how our community in general uh-huh. feels about that. You uh-huh. know, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to know how we got there. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. this person is crazy. You know how he is or how she is mm-hmm. or just brush it under the rug. Mm-hmm. And then what are you left with? Right. Uh, you know, then you're 60, 70, 80 years old with one foot in the grave and you look back on your life and you're, and you're just thinking, I wish I would have, could have, should have. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. That was so good. So a lot of nuggets. So before we get to where you are present day, I do want to touch some more on your story because this is a healing for some people that's listening, right? So as you mentioned, some people in your family were not encouraging you to do your passions or, you know, basically just want you to go after the money. Go over that, go after that safety net. Right. And especially how you were raised with your mother. And I'm sad to hear that. But I feel like this question I really need to ask you. When you come across family members, because let's be honest, that's our first experience to relationships. It's hard. Wait, go ahead. Ask me. (laughs) (laughs) What does that step look like? Because I don't want to say it's noise. I don't want to that into context to say it's noise but what do you do when those interactions from the relationships of your family members that tell you one thing but you know god in your heart and the holy spirit is telling you something else right right how do you stay away from the distraction of listening to that and the healing of that because that hurts it does that's very painful you to have this dream and I want to do this. I want to get out. I want to just make it happen and not get that support. And as you mentioned, like some of the hurtful things that your mom said to you, I feel like a lot of the sicknesses when we get older, it starts from those experiences. Like you mentioned, we just sweep it under the rug. We don't ever talk about it. And so if you feel comfortable, how did you stay focused on just moving out and getting out the best way, that best route, but also having that healing in you to say, I'm going to be okay. As you mentioned the Bible, you know, knowing who you are and how God sees you, like how were you taking that in and what did that process look like for you? Um, so it is still a process. Um, at, at first there wasn't a, how am I going to handle this? It was really more of a, Lord, just continue to affirm me. You know, things don't look like what I think your word says. Mm-hmm. And how am I supposed to, you know, how am I supposed to honor my mother and my father when, all the things 
Right. How am I supposed, you know, am I out of pocket? Am I out of line? So for me, I had so many biblical questions in regards to relationships because, you know, I, I knew the Ten Commandments backwards and forth, you know, all of those things. And I'm like, but this is stressful and it's putting me in a place where I'm not even good for me. I don't have any self-esteem. Like, how do I become the woman who you want me to be with these family relationships? Mm -hmm. So what I did, I said, okay, I do believe in being in fellowship. So I do believe in finding a church home. However, this is where it changed the game for me. You can't just walk up into any church. That's true. Now, I had to get to a point where I was comfortable with that because growing up, you know, small town, everybody knows everybody. Somebody's related to someone. If a member went to some, some other church, people found out. They got talked about. There was gossip all over town. So there wasn't this, it wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And it, it, I was like, you know what? I'm not in Mississippi. I'm going to go to whatever church I want. You know, I, so mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I have, the, I have the excuse to visit churches. Mm-hmm. I did. And, you know, my experience there wasn't the best, but what it taught me and what God showed me was, here's what you need to look for. And of course, I talked a little bit about spiritual growth. There's a very big difference between churches who are stuck in doing church like it's 1985, very legalistic, every little thing you do, somebody is judging while they got their wife on one side of the church and their mistress on the other. Like, can we not please? Can we please stop? (laughs) Right. I'm like, can we please stop shaming the kingdom? It Uh just, and it was almost as if God was just revealing to me, you already know what's not right. Uh So if this is what you're seeing and this is what you're experiencing and you're seeking after me, just keep going. So Mm -hmm. I had to relearn some things that I thought I knew from a biblical and spiritual standpoint because I did grow up at a church where if you pulled anything out that wasn't the King James version oh my goodness what is going to happen to you for Mm -hmm. all of eternity you know I mean but it was that deep and that serious and for a lot of people that is so ingrained and you're constantly living in fear and it's and they don't understand it's not the fear of the Lord it Mm -hmm. is the fear of what somebody mama gonna say Mm-hmm. or such and such cousin who sits on the back pew or what the community is going to say. And you mm-hmm. need to realize that at the end of the day, you're not standing in front of any of those when your life on this side of heaven ends and you pass on to the next, like you're not standing up in front of them. Right. So for me, I started with Holy Spirit, just teach me. Mm-hmm. And I will say, as you start that journey, a lot of life is going to happen. For anyone who's listening, who's not a believer and who's curious about having faith in Jesus Christ and you don't get it or whatever the case may be, 
I'm, I'm telling you that this foundation that we're talking about will just pull you out of some things. However, it doesn't mean that life is going to be easy. As a matter of fact, in order for you to get stronger, you're going to experience a lot of hardship. So on that spiritual journey of just relearning and what I was, and I shouldn't say relearning or unlearning, what I was doing was doing away with a lot of man's tradition Mm. is stuff that didn't have anything to do with the death and resurrection. I'm sorry to interject. I don't Mm -hmm. want people to think when you say man, patriarchy. I want you to be clear that you're talking about like worldly views. Yes. Okay. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let's let's clarify. Tell when I say like, man's tradition. Yes, like not. Okay, let me tradition. get. No, no, no. Let me let me be clear. Let me give you okay. some examples. Yes, yes. Please. Okay. Because I don't um, want people to think one thing and you're yeah, yeah, yeah. Else. I'm so glad that you pointed that out. So I'll give you an example. I don't want you to think that. You have to absolutely wear stockings and a slip to church under your dress with the black patent leather shoes in order to be accepted by God. Mm -hmm. I would hate for you to think that it's not okay for you to cut your hair because maybe God is not going to like that. Um, Mm -hmm. That's what I mean by man's tradition, traditional things that are in certain pockets of the church that are taught that people hold on to because they are believing a works-based faith. They think that if I don't do these things, Mm -hmm. then I don't have salvation. I'm not going to get in God doesn't love me. I have to do, 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 or don't, don't, don't in order to get and keep my salvation. That's the kind of stuff that I'm talking about. And whether or not you have pantyhose on, I don't even know if you can. Actually, I do know you can still buy pantyhose today because a friend of mine, a a couple of weekends ago, her Mm -hmm. mom is getting remarried and her mom said, I need you to go out and buy pantyhose because you can't walk up in my church without pantyhose. So that's still the thing. So when I say man's tradition, I'm talking about things that don't have anything to do with your growth. Mm -hmm. Um, In my 20s and early 30s, I started therapy. Um, That was also part of the process. And as far as my mom goes, during that time, I wrote her an eight-page letter. I took some time. It wasn't mean. It wasn't, you know, nasty or any of that. I just laid my heart out. This is how I felt. Wish our relationship was closer. All of these things. I received a call from her about three days later. And the call went something like, hey, yeah, I was out, you know, mowing the lawn, had to go to the Kia dealership. And yeah, I got your letter. And later today, I'm probably going to be doing some laundry and da, 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 and never talked about it. For me, that was my way of trying to start the conversation. But I will say the one thing that really, really did it for me as I was on this journey, something my therapist said at the time was, 
you need to protect your circle. Mm. I'm glad that you have respect for your parents and your family, but think of it this way. Draw an imaginary circle around you and protect that just because the phone, and this is what I think people should really know, just because the phone rings and just because you get a text doesn't mean that you have to answer it away, um, right away. It doesn't mean that you have to pick up every time they call, every time they reach out. Um, and also pay attention to the things that happen that really get the relationship heated. For mm -hmm. me, my mom would call and ask my opinion on something. And if she didn't like the opinion, it's just suddenly this big argument and yelling at me and I shouldn't have called you anyway. And I'm literally just answering the question. Like I'm not bringing up anything. I'm just trying to help. And that has been my downfall because I want to help everybody. I'm like, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, you're trying to save money or budgeting or whatever. And you ask me about it. I will share whatever I have. Mm -hmm. And so my therapist noticed that she said, it sounds like, most of the discourse comes from whenever she's asking you advice on something or an opinion, you don't have to share it. Mm. Why do you keep answering these questions? Just listen. Mm -hmm. That was a game changer. So mm. I would say continue to go hard after God and seek out therapy. It's really okay. It's not a stigmatized thing. We should really try to destigmatize that it's healthy. Even if you're not going through anything, it's okay to just check in every once in a while with mm -hmm. the therapist just to make sure you are, it's like a form of self-care really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and also if you have insurance, more than likely your insurance covers some portion of that if you find someone who's in network. Um, yeah, so that for me was my journey. But when I said I am still going through it, I can now answer a phone call, no problem. Um, I don't answer all the time though. That's my way of setting boundaries. Yes, I was just about to ask about that. That right there, <laughs> you don't have to go to every family. You don't have to have somebody guilt trip you into attending everything, participating in everything. And, here, and here's the thing, at the end of the day, don't look for an apology. Mm. A lot of people are not going to see what you're there. First of all, a lot of folks are just not even going to care. They're going to think, you know what, it's you. I don't know what you're talking about. Or they might start to guilt trip you. And we don't want to hear this, but some of us had narcissistic parents. Mm -hmm. And you kind of have to recognize that, but you won't if you don't really know what that looks like or do the whole therapy thing. But setting boundaries is a huge, huge part of it. It's something that shouldn't be um, not taken seriously. And sometimes you might have to reveal those boundaries back up if you let them slip in some kind of way. Because again, this isn't to bash my mother or any other family member. I love them to pieces. But for my mental health, my boundaries that is what gets me through even to today. And mm -hmm. so they know that if I don't call, maybe I'm busy. I, I mean, I don't know what they think. I, I'll get to it 
if my mind and my emotional state is 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 ready and that and that's fine you know it's not like if they got sick or hurt or whatever I wouldn't be there it's not that but I have my own life to that's live right. that's right and that's I'm not right. good for anyone else if mm-hmm. I'm not good myself that's right. come on I love that I mean, so much <laughs> It, but it's hard. It's it's hard sometimes, especially mm-hmm. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And nobody's going to want to hear this, but it took me a good 15 years to just be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it took it took a while to not get off the phone and go to a corner and cry buckets of tears because I was just torn down again or made to feel guilty about and it's stuff that has nothing to do with me like they're living life states away I'm living life over here in Texas like Mm -hmm. I I don't have to actually deal with any of that but people will only do to you what you allow them to okay that was yeah just just say no to toxic relationships yeah like you have to remove yourself. And it's okay to do that. It is. Thank but, you. For but some of us don't, for some, for a lot of people, it takes a while to really get mm-hmm. in your spirit that it's okay because you've been taught for so long that it's not okay. And mm-hmm. that, well, that's your aunt. Well, that's mm-hmm. your mom. Well, that's mm-hmm. your whomever. That's just how they are. Stop and it me. almost becomes one of those things where, because they're a relative, you have to put up with it. That's blood. That's family. Can we please stop? Yes. 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 No. <laughs> and it's sad. Like when we have these com- these conversations, it's familiar. We may yes. not have the same. We may not have the same story, but it's familiar in every household. And that's sad. Like we have to break that somehow some way but conversations like this is the first step because we have to be realistic that that's what's going on if it's your past if it's going on presently but as you mentioned it's a process to get on the other side of it but you have to put in that action and the work to get to the other side of it because if you don't you're going to get comfortable with that's just auntie yeah that's just uncle oh yeah they do that time to time that doesn't mean that I have I had to accept it. <laughs> right. You're so right. Yeah. So thank you for sharing that because I do indeed feel like those are conversations as far as first steps for us to push forward. Because it is a light after every tunnel, right? There is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, you know? But it, it takes different steps. It takes a journey. It's a process to get there. And so it's just very moving to hear your story. And I thank you for sharing that. Thank you. Um, I I will say that as we go on our, whatever our individual journeys are in just Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. especially when we've experienced so many negative, so much negativity ourselves, let's try to move in a different way. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people who were hurt using the excuse will hurt people hurt people Mm -hmm. that is so not cute Mm -hmm. that does not have to be your truth don't normalize that 
Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. So I do want to move forward because we recognize the past. We're in the midst of you now creating your career. So now I want to talk about fashion designers. I want to talk about this chapter of your life. Okay. How did we get from schooling to you, of course, getting your education? Um, you realize that, you know, certain places you were trying to get to, God was like, no, nah, that's not for you. Right. <laughs> so how did we get to fashion, being a fashion designer? Um, I was over corporate America, to be honest with you. I had gotten burnt out. I was sick and tired of the politicking. Mm -hmm. The, you know, there was a time I had to go to HR and we had to discuss and renegotiate pay because I found out that although my qualifications were reviews and all of that ranked higher than others, they were paying me way less. Um, so, I mean, that ended up being corrected and it was fine in the end. But mm -hmm. after so many years of just, there's a difference between a job and a career. And what I was doing, I was working jobs, really. I mean, it, they were on career paths and I was being promoted and all of these things, but I started out in banking and then I ended up in insurance and actually my insurance career as um, an adjuster, a claims adjuster for homeowners property is what I did. So now when people go looking for houses and stuff, I'm like, let's talk about the kind of coverage you need on your insurance policy. <laughs> okay. We have some of the same background. I was a claims adjuster. Okay. Yeah. So um, the latter part of that, I was a catastrophe adjuster. So, you know, storms come through, they send you wherever. And mm -hmm. over time I was like, I'm, I'm not growing personally anymore. I'm not really growing professionally anymore. I'm not trying to be a manager. Like y'all can have that. I'm like, <laughs> so I just, I decided, you know, all this time there was something that I really wanted to do, but I'm in a totally different place in life. I don't have to keep bringing up and using the excuse, well, my family did, said, well, what am I going to do about it now? And my husband was really the one who was pushing me. He was like, you've been talking about this forever, like what you really wanted to do before you graduated high school. And at the time, uh, we moved temporarily out of state to the Kansas City area and I found a fashion program mm -hmm. and it, it was like in county tuition. I'm like, oh, this is nice. I can pay for this out of pocket. Let me, okay. let me just go over here and see what they talking about. Let me, let me just sign up for a class or two. I don't know if I'm trying to go back to school, but we'll see. I fell in love with it. Yeah. I fell in love with it. And I think when people hear the term, apparel designer, fashion designer, or just the realm of fashion, I, I feel like their mind automatically goes to New York Fashion Week and the Valentino and Gucci's of the world. That was never what I wanted to do, but nobody had ever asked me. So as I go through this program, I'm finding out about different career paths in the industry that I love that I didn't even know existed. 
but I always wanted to have just small studio space, do some pieces, but I'm not trying to deal with the project runways and the whole, like, no, that's just not anything that I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. So I, I checked out that little cute degree in the classes and it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Learned all the things and with what they prepared me for, I can now either design, be a seamstress, tailor. Um, there's actually something called a technical designer, which is the person who takes what the designer made and you put this technical package together, letting the factory know this is how to make it and this is what goes into it and so forth. So there's so many avenues but what I'm doing now, what I'm doing now is um, focusing on small capsule collections. And I decided in around 2017 that, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and try this entrepreneurial route and start my own business. So before I touched anything, I got an attorney. I was like, just, you know, I want to be registered. Um, he set me up with an LLC and all of that because I didn't want something to go wrong during the process. And then somebody come and sue me personally, because you're not trying to get this retirement. Now I know it works differently in Texas and they can't come after certain things, but like, if I move, like we're not, you, please, please don't take my little minivan, you know, let's okay. go ahead and get, some, <laughs> let's, let's get some business entity set up. And so that's what was going on in 2017. Um, from then throughout 2018 is when I worked on the very first collection. And um, it was that collection that brought me the most joy and probably heartache mm -hmm. because I knew the process, but in order to make the whole line happen. There are so many moving parts and mm -hmm. so much control that you're giving over to mm -hmm. so many other people. Mm. And it's that part of the process where I could have made some moves differently. And that very first launch could have looked differently and it could have been more successful than it was. Mm -hmm. Um, but I was, I was proud that I did it. I just felt like I was getting to a point where I was comfortable, you know, getting that 401k and the stipend and that guaranteed paycheck, mm -hmm. you know, that I still miss. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's nice. Mm -hmm. It's just not as fulfilling though, when right. you have to discipline yourself and motivate yourself and set your own schedule and get things done. Mm -hmm. But yes, the brand is a women's wear brand. It's called Harrison Hollis. Mm -hmm. um, Harrison comes from my maternal great-grandparents name. Hollis comes from my paternal great-grandparents name. And that's just my way of honoring all of the things that they had to go through in order for things to happen for me to be here. So that's where the name comes from. And what I'm focusing on now is making sure that each collection moving forward is eco-friendly. 
everything is made in the U.S. I'm the one doing the designing. I am, and I actually do some of my own pattern making depending on what I'm going. So I can, I can do all of those every mm -hmm. once in a while. I may have someone do some patterns while I'm working on this freaking content creation in Instagram. Okay. Can somebody give, I mean, that right there is a whole job. Mm -hmm. And being someone who didn't grow up in the digital age, I'm like, can we just bring back the billboard ads and the radio spots? Because this, and, and the first time I heard of a, it was, I think it was called a social media, a social media manager. I'll never forget the day I made a joke to somebody. I was like, oh, so they just coming out of school, playing on this new Facebook thing. Ha ha ha, whatever. That's not a real job. Oh um, my goodness. I'm not that you're doing it. You're like, maybe I should have took that back. <laughs> you know, I'm just like this. And, and honestly, the designing is not, that's, that's not even 10% of what I do. It's the administrative part of it, the accounting. A huge, more than 50% of it is this, this content creation stuff with, Instagram, and I just went ahead and let Facebook go. I, I, I do have a Harrison Hollis on Facebook. It's not happening. It's too many moving parts. So I'm trying to focus on Instagram and then I'll eventually add the Pinterest piece into it as well. But the, I'm like, well, let me just, I don't have to have all of them, but I have to have, because it's so visual and because of the industry, I have to have Instagram. So anyone who's listening, you want to check it out, feel free to jump on Instagram and go to at shop Harrison Hollis and follow, sign up for the newsletter. I'm pretty transparent on the newsletter as well as far. So, so everybody who signed up, they've seen the process of what it takes to get these new pieces um, to happen. So they've seen some fit sessions. They've seen, yeah, they're, I'm just putting it all out there, but they have to have signed up for the newsletter. So I love that because when I went to go visit your page, for one, I can't wait to talk about your clothes because the collections are just beautiful, right? But when I went to your page, the first word that came to me was pure transparency. I love your sustainability page so much you're like you know this is where we were before but this is what we're doing now um we just want to make sure we're being eco-friendly as well as you know being here for our customers we're adding different sizes and things of that nature I just love the transparency of your entire brand so what made you be so transparent? Because I didn't even know about the newsletter. I just received that just by looking at your website. And so to know that you do that for your customers, you know, once they sign up and, you know, they want extra, right? When they sign up for newsletters, they want a little bit of extra. So from the front end and the back end, I feel like, like you mentioned, you're just transparent throughout. So what made you be vulnerable and just be like, you know what, this is what's happening, y'all. <laughs> right. Well, so I really wanted people to understand that, first of all, the fashion industry is so detrimental to the environment and to people. Mm -hmm. 
most of the clothes that we wear, I mean, if you're buying five and $10 t-shirts, somebody didn't get paid. Someone went home and was not able to put food in their mouths or their kids' mouths. And if you look at the label and you see that it's made in XYZ country somewhere, especially if it wasn't the EU, the US, Canada, Australia, those, um, someone didn't get paid. I'm, you know, and I'm probably going to hurt some people's feelings, but I'm not here for the Zora and the, the Zoras and the H&Ms of the world, the Forever 21s, like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, however, that is, so the sustainability aspect is where I wanted to go. I wanted to make sure, okay, are people being paid when I go to have um, the production done? You know, we have the designs, we have the patterns, everything is in place. Where are they working? What, right. what does that look like? Right. Um, how can I make sure that they're being paid a fair wage? They're not being mistreated. They can go home and pay bills. I'm here in the U.S. and I honestly am here for anyone who can make a made in the USA product and sell it because it is difficult. It is very expensive. However, for me, it was very important to keep it onshore and not offshore because whether I go to California, whether I'm here in Texas or New York, wherever my factory is or factories are, I can always pop up and see what it is. I can tour it. Um, There's not much of a time zone barrier, you know, there, there aren't any of those things. And because of where you are, if something is going on with your work labor habits, we have laws in place for that. We can't just willy nilly do any and everything. Now, if I go overseas to XYZ country, I'm dealing with time zone, I'm dealing with language barrier issues, customs, duties, all of the things, what kind of quality am I getting? Can I actually be there when it comes off the lot? Just all of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So the people part, I was good, but the planet part is where I was lacking. So when you said you read the sustainability part, I just wanted people to know that, you know, we had, I had to make some changes. Yeah. And so now I'm focusing on making sure the textiles mm-hmm which is the fabric that goes into making it is actually something that's not considered bad for the environment. Because Mm -hmm. what people don't know is that the fashion industry is, is either the top, it keeps changing. So it depends on the statistics you look at, but it's in the top five industries as far as being one of the biggest polluting industries out there. Mm -hmm. Landfills do not, break anything down. So if you threw some clothes out 30 years ago, they are still sitting there, just like your food. People don't realize those things. So the way a landfill works, it's not, it doesn't work the same way as a compost pile. Okay. A compost pile works and breaks things down because it has Um, nitrogen, carbon, oxygen, some moist things, you know, it's, there's a particular environment that it's created, you know, that it makes that allows things to break down. 
a landfill, things don't break down. It can sit there for hundreds of years. And so because I know Mm -hmm. That if someone decides, you know what, I love this Harrison Hollis piece. I've had it for 10 years, Mm -hmm. but my look has changed or whatever. And they decide to, let's say, donate. A lot of people don't realize that only 20% of what you donate actually gets used. A lot of people don't know that. So I'm not saying don't donate to your local donation center. Mm-hmm. I just say be wise and know that if it's ripped, if it's torn, if mm-hmm. you wouldn't be caught dead in it, they're probably just trashing it. Wow. 80% of that is going to end up in a third world country or in a landfill. Feel free to do your own research, look it up. Okay. No, no. I'm just saying for people who are listening, those are facts. And I don't think enough goes into considering our wardrobe because we're so used to fast fashion. We're like, this is trendy. This is cute. It was on sale. Girl, I got this for $15. Ooh, you know, I have all the shoes in the world. Everybody wants to have Mariah Carey's closet. And that's fine. I'm just saying, be a little more conscious about it. Be a little more intentional Um, Maybe consider quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. That's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I'm such a big believer in capsule wardrobes Mm -hmm. and capsule collections. Like, Mm -hmm. find your style. And you can have really nice pieces in your closet for a while. And if Mm -hmm. you are rotating out, think of having a swap party with your friends or Mm -hmm. going to... Yeah, you know, go to a women's shelter or there are just so many different avenues. If you are a luxury shopper, consider selling it. You know, we have the Real Real, Poshmark, all the things out there. They're just, so, you know, that's a little side hustle that you could be doing. Um, but the transparency on the website and with the newsletter is not just to educate my current customers but that's also to let people who are already in the sustainability realm know okay she has a sustainability um portion I can read it and they expect they expect that level of transparency they want Mm -hmm. to know everything and I'm here for it Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's good that's so good and so Currently, you are working on a new collection. I was seeing some bits and pieces, and I love it. When I look at your collection, I think of simplicity at its best. I feel a lot of people are about the bling bling and all this other stuff. And I'm like, y'all don't need all that to be chic and fabulous and just be the person that you are and still be cute and sexy and confident. And so I love 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 your clothing so what you're welcome what is the inspiration behind your collections the ultimate overarching inspiration is minimalist aesthetic Mm -hmm. which means that I'm not going to give you over the top things that you probably only wear during xyz season I want you to be comfortable But I also wanted to have a timeless look to it. 
so that you're not pulling it out and you're like, oh, this, oh yeah, this is definitely something from the 80s or, oh, this is definitely something from the early 2000s. Like I, I wanted to make, I wanted to design in a way where it has some type of timeless look to it. And one of the tricks of doing that is you can have different design features, but they don't have to be over the top. They don't have to be all over the place. So that's like the overarching umbrella of where my mind is when I design. Now, as far as each collection moving forward, I have transitioned the brand into a more travel inspired brand. So the idea is that you can be chic on your warm weather vacation, or you can take these pieces to brunch with your girl. Um, that's the idea behind it. But they, um, each collection will be a mini collection, meaning only three or four pieces at a time that can all go together. So this new collection that you've probably started to see me post about on Instagram, um, the top is reversible. So you have one color on one side, a different color on the other, and there are pants that you can exchange out. What you haven't seen yet is that there's a dress that will also be coming out. So with the way that I designed the dress, you can put the top on top of that if you want, or you can just wear the dress by itself. So the brand is really, yeah, the brand is really for the ladies who want to just, you know what, I feel like I want to go down to Mexico this weekend. What am I going to wear? You know what? I have this Harrison, um, this Harrison Hollis ca capsule. Let me just throw it in my go bag and they're good to go. All they have to add is a swimsuit. I love it. I thought that it was two different outfits. When I saw... It can be. The That's blue, the point. <laughs> and then I saw the pink. I was like, I love this. But I saw the peekaboo. Yes. That's what made me think. I was like, is it reversible? But I'm glad you confirmed. Yes. Because <laughs> when I saw that peekaboo, I was like, let me find out that it's reversible. I love that idea. Because... For people that's not into fashion, they wouldn't have known that. They probably would have thought that's a whole different outfit. Now, see, if they were on the newsletter, they would have known a long time ago. Okay. You I'm just throwing it out there because I don't do spam. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there because I know people are like, oh, I don't want to sign up for anything. I don't want to join anything, my inbox and all of this. But I really do my best to provide exclusive content that people in the newsletter get first. So you're just now seeing the IG pictures. They've mm -hmm. seen them. They've been waiting. They've seen them months ago. Yeah. So, okay, with that being stated, how long is the preparation for the collection? Year, two, breaks? A, a collection can take anywhere from nine months to a year. You can try to get it done within six months, but it also depends on, well, what type of designer are you? Okay. And what I mean by that is an independent designer and your like luxury brands that you typically see on the runway may work differently. 
So you will have some independent designers who will follow the normal fashion calendar and they will do the um, spring summer collection, autumn winter collection, maybe a resort collection. I'm not that type of independent designer because I'm so into the sustainability aspect. I'm very much against constantly pumping stuff out. Okay. That's more labor and material that has to be used. I'm not even going to get into like all of the carbon emissions and blah, blah, blah. We don't even got time for that, but that's a conversation for another time. <laughs> but, you know, I just don't. So I'm actually considered a slow fashion house, meaning that every once in a while you will get something new. But just because it's considered spring, summer, 2022 time doesn't mean that I'm going to have something out just for spring, summer, and something just for autumn, winter. First of all, it's a lot to keep up with because if I was to do that, I need to be um, producing autumn, winter next year right now. Mm, makes sense. That's, you know, and also... I'm not doing wholesale right now. It's me going directly to my customer, you know? Um, so I was very strategic about how I wanted to do this. I had to consider my lifestyle. Um, I don't believe there's actually a thing called work-life balance. It's all life. So what do you want that to look like? Mm -hmm. Um, and I know you can see the background, my little office slash studio space that I work in, but I work from home. So I do as much as I can from here, which was such a good thing when the pandemic hit. I don't know how anyone who had a small studio that they were renting survived last year um, if they had to depend on people to come into a physical location. So I do all e-commerce. Thank you. So there's one method that you use and I thought it was very smart. The pre-order method. So basically, yes. if you don't purchase it before we launch, you don't get it. <laughs> exactly. So, what made you go this route? And of course, if you want to explain a little bit better than I did, because this is your method, right? No, no, but that's, that's, that's actually a really great way of explaining it. So um, a lot of us now in the, so there are different categories of the fashion industry. The more eco-friendly and sustainable and sustainability becomes a topic, it's not just a hot topic. There are a lot of people who really stand behind what needs to be done for climate change and how we can do be better humans for the earth that God gave us. So the pre-sale will help in two ways. For me as a business owner, it gives me the funds that I need to have that produced. Before I transitioned into that model, I paid everything up front, trying to predict what I thought would sell. Mm -hmm. If you, if your predictions are wrong, if you, there's a, a, 
possibility that you could produce too much and you could just be sitting on that inventory. And then that's a loss. The other, so that's, so that's one aspect. The other thing is for the customer, they already know what they're getting. They already know, okay, this size is not about to be gone because I ordered exactly what I wanted in the size that I wanted. So for them, they already know what they're getting. So the pre-sale is really, hey, y'all, here's what's coming up. What do you think? Are you into it? Um, And then, of course, like I said, for the business side, I don't have to worry about excessive inventory. And that excessive inventory is actually something that a customer who's into being eco-friendly cares about as well. Um, because they're as because if they're into that kind of thing, they already have this whole mindset of what they want the brands that they purchase from to be doing and not to be doing. And if you're sitting on excessive inventory, then what that means is you bought fabric that you didn't need to buy. Uh So there was some work that went into that. So not only did you waste materials that are just going to sit there, if you can't get rid of those materials, more than likely it's going to end up in the landfill. You know, we had that conversation earlier and that's just something that I'm not into and they're not either. Um, That is really, really good because when doing that, you have to take in consideration, as you mentioned, the customer as well. So that's really awesome. So my customer base has changed from when I originally launched. My customer base now is very, very niche. And so is that due to a lot of research that you found out or it's just at this point, you just saw the difference? How did you figure out as far as like who is your customer base? Well, so so in the in the beginning, you know, I was telling you about the people part and the planet part. And I was really discouraged in the beginning because the planet part of it really does a a huge part of that has to do with the materials you're using and how those materials are made and what they are made from. So in the sustainable, in the sustainable realm of things, we're looking at natural materials or things that are made from nature, Um, whether it is organic cotton, not cotton people. I mean, that's natural, but it's not as great as organic. Um, So we're looking at organic cotton. There is this um, fabric called cupro, which is made from the waste or linter of cotton. Like as they're harvesting the cotton, they're like these little pieces that fall off. And anyway, that's the thing. And there are some, you know, a lot of others, a lot of people know about linen, Um, but for me, for starting out, I couldn't figure out who the sustainable fabric makers were. I mean, I came across a handful and what they had to offer mm-hmm. just wasn't, it wasn't doing it for the look I was going for. Mm-hmm. And that's why I, I was discouraged. I want to be honest. And then I was like, well, it'll be okay. Well, in the end, it really wasn't okay because that wasn't the vision to start with. And so when the pandemic hit last year, it made me sit down and be still 
reevaluate everything and get to a place of what exactly is this business going to look like? What does your brand represent? And what is the mission and the statement behind it? I already knew what I wanted it to be, but I had to be around people and a network that would help me get there. And so I actually signed up for this accelerator program called Factory 45. The founder is so super sweet. Her name is Shannon Lore. She also has an amazing podcast called the Clean uh, Clean Living Podcast. Really good, very short, each episode, check it out. But um, all of these designers who wanted a sustainable brand came together we have we have access to all the sustainable everything now so there shouldn't be an excuse for you can't find fabric that's okay for the environment you can't say that oh you can't find a factory you can't find you know so you may see that i follow a lot of other brands and i bet you if you clicked on one of them more than likely it's a sustainable brand And we all do, for the most part, a lot of different things. So one of my um, friends who lives in L.A., but she is from Peru and she goes back sometimes. She has a line that's about to drop as well. And everything is upcycled from men's dress shirts. And it is the cutest Oh, her designs are the cutest things you will ever see. So there's a lot of creativity going on with eco-friendly brands. And so if any of that interests anyone, just check it out. Okay, receive it because she done dropped some nuggets for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the next segment is pretty much, you know, what I do is storytelling, right? Mm -hmm. So this is in regards to your journey. You've already gave us a sprinkle. Well, you gave us more than a sprinkle. You've given a lot. And we just want to thank you, right? So with the next segment, give us a high if this is in regards to, like you mentioned, work, life, personal. It's all about your life experience, right? So anything about your experience where you were like, I did it. Elisa, cat on the back. We made it through. So what is a high that you can tell us? I will say, actually, seeing something I design come to life mm-hmm. and receiving so much positive feedback. There is a young lady who we both know who I spoke to recently, and she asked me about a pair of pants. Right now, I'm running a last chance sale on some items. And she said, you know, there's a pair of pants I tried on and they just fit so good and they just felt so good. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that just made me feel good. And she was giving me her experience about something that she had that was falling apart. She was like, but the quality on yours. And I just realized, I said, you know what, girl, I did that. I really did. (laughs) Right. I was like. I really did that with those pants. And then I got to thinking about it. I'm like, why am I over here every once in a while worried about how things are going to turn out? I'm such an A-type personality person anyway. 
So I, I know what I'm doing. I just have to get over myself, but I'm, I'm enjoying the moment right now. I'm like, you know what? I did that. Come on. Pat on the back twice. That's good. Yes. Yes. <laughs> but those pants that she's talking about, I mean, they, I, I don't really have much booty back there, but those pants, girl, can't nobody tell me nothing. Oh, nobody. Nobody. But see, that's probably why God didn't give it to me to begin with. <laughs> you already flaunted. Okay. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what that life journey would have been like? Hilarious. Okay. So on the opposite end, what is a love that has happened within your experience to where you question, should I move forward with being with my company? Should I move forward with going to, you know, going to school for fashion? Um, but then there were some blocks, right? But you continue to push forward. Go ahead and explain that. And then how did you push through? Um, so one of my lowest lows outside of things that were going on through childhood was my time during college. Um, even if I wanted to, I didn't have the time to party it up or enjoy in any way. It was like, let me get these classes done so I can move on with life. That's really where my head was. And um, the not having a place to stay, like, I mean, there were times when I had just enough money in my pocket to rent a room at one of those pay by the hour hotels. And I would go there, take a quick shower. I had a sleeping bag at the time and nobody needs to be in one of those places. But there was a chair up to the door to keep the door closed there. You know, the linens were just filthy. So I had my sleeping bag, get a few hours of sleep, go to class, you know, just all of these things. Cause I was taking some classes um, during some of the breaks, especially during the summer. That did not feel good at all. Um, doing some couch surfing with people you don't really know, being in some really tough spots, being young. And, and this, this isn't a brag by any means, but a lot of people say, oh, you know, I, I never would have guessed around how old you were because you look so young, like you're in your 20s. So imagine when I was 19 and 20 looking like I'm a 12 year old, you know, it just, that was, that was just, that was a really, really low time. And as far as a low moment in the business, I could say that it's all been low because part of, but it's, it's not though. I just, I need to figure out this Instagram thing. I hate it. I'm going to be honest, you know, I'm like, can somebody else click on that follow button? I mean, can you care about sustainability? You know, can you be eco-friendly? Can you find out about me? You know, those are the types of conversations in my head. And sometimes I get so caught up in that and I, and I don't enjoy the process. But I will say what gets me through those moments with the business and what got me through my situation when I was in college was every step of the way, 
I was provided for. It may not have looked like I wanted it to look like, or it may not have been to the extent, but I was always provided for. And even if I felt some kind of way about myself, God gave me a word or he placed somebody in my life to, you know, that needed to, that I needed to connect with that I didn't even know. And I will say there are two individuals in my life now who I I just, I really believe God placed there because he placed them in my life at a specific time when I was going through a, a specific thing and they are still my closest friends to this day. So they've seen everything. And one of them, she'll tell you a story about, and she won't let it go. She was like, yeah, right after I first met Elisa, we were in college, you know, and when we were in the dorms, there was a tornado. There was a tornado coming. And I remember the time that she's talking about. I just didn't know that it just stuck in her mind because she told that story recently. She said, yeah, there was a tornado And she was like, hey, can you give me a ride to work? And I'm like, girl, there's a tornado outside. We're about to go to the basement. Mm -hmm. And and she'll say that, you know, I was like, no, but I have to go to work. And I got to work. She was like, man, she just had her hustle on. And the rest of us are like, oh, you know, you should call your boss. But my mindset at the time was I don't really have the privilege to not show up at a job where there's a boss who's being funny anyway. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of days where I walked, whether it was hot, rainy, snow, until I could afford um, a used car that I eventually got. I also mm-hmm. ended up loading trucks at FedEx Ground in which is not the same FedEx at, at the airport. You don't get the cute little uniforms and the badge. You just come, like you're in there with real grown men in these heavy boxes loading up trucks. So everything that I needed was always provided for. And if somebody needed to be placed in my life to help me along the way, God always put somebody there. So that's how I have pushed through and the rest really is just me needing to get out of my head especially with this Instagram stuff but I still don't like it (laughs) say it is what it is with that one okay (laughs) all right so before we press play earlier um we had a conversation as far as the industry and how certain times you know we feel like we wish we could have spoken to somebody that may have been tenured to help us out in our own industries And so that's the main reason, as far as the segue, that's the main reason why I created this next segment is because I feel like people have to pay, pay, pay large amount for advice and really don't receive nothing from it. When you can have a basic conversation with somebody and receive everything that you need without even, you know, it's just, let me say this, your community is just giving back to you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so this next segment is called One Free Advice. What is something that you can say to a little girl or a little boy or even grownups that's listening right now? And they may be in a tough spot in the fashion industry or, you know, having personal issues with their family. Um, anything that you have experienced, any type of advice that you could give them that's listening to help them jump a hurdle? Sure. What I would say to someone who is 
not of age and they may be dealing with some family drama, just know that it doesn't always have to be that way. However, what you need to do is do as much as you can to set yourself up for success. And what you have right now is your schooling, your education. I know that's not something that is as popular in these days because everybody wants to be a YouTube star or whatever. And that's cute. But let's say that's what you want to do. Whatever it is that you want to do, start now researching, reading about it, watching videos about it, preparing yourself and, you know, get to know some of your teachers or people outside of your home who you feel comfortable with but maybe your family also feels comfortable with, you know, everybody loves a good teacher, right? And as you have questions, just start to ask questions. Use those free resources now, um, especially if you're in junior high or high school, those are free resources for you. So while you're trying to pass these tests and write these essays, also use your school as a free resource and the people because once you graduate and you get out here in the real world, oh, everybody's a consultant. They're going to say, oh, I can send you my fee sheet. Um, I, that's a whole other story. I won't go down that rabbit hole. I've had some of those, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I would say use what you have at hand and make a plan. And whether you want to go to a traditional four-year school, after high school, or something else, at least consider a trade. Find out what you're good at, because if you are in, whether it's a rural area, like where I came from, or urban, um, you know, areas, it really doesn't matter. If you really want it, you can make it happen. So start with school, get as great of grades as you can. If school is really, really difficult, don't make it difficult for your teachers. You know, there could be something like dyslexia or something else going on, whatever it is, but know that you have worth, invest time in yourself and highly, highly consider what and who you believe in because faith got me through so much when it seemed like life would never get better. It seemed like this is the way that it was. And when you get older, you're always going to be struggling because that's the story that I got and everybody around me was in that. Sometimes you have to get out and it's okay. If you're someone who's looking at going into the fashion industry before you spend any money on anything, before you try to, you know, rush into producing something, figure out what type of, you know, what type of career you want in the industry. Do you want to be a designer? If so, what type of designer? Who are you making clothes for? Is it concept? Are you trying to do runway? What is it? Figure that part out first. And also up your skill set because if you are a designer, but you don't know how to make patterns, you can get away with it, but there's just so much jargon that goes into it. 
in so many pieces that move as far as talking to pattern makers. And if you don't know some of the basics, people can and they will get over on you. So I would say, edu- make sure you educate yourself, whether that's the traditional way or just doing some research. And also know that there are plenty of people out there who don't mind whatsoever answering questions. So if you're hearing this and you are trying to get in the industry, especially if you are in the Dallas area, um, you can always drop me a DM. I'm trying my best to be more on Instagram. So if you, you can always go to at shop Harrison Hollis on IG and just ask me a question. There are so many things I wish I had known beforehand, even with my education that I wish I could have gotten for free and I could have had I known where to look. So if you have questions, trying to get into fashion, not really sure what part of the industry want to talk about it. I'm more than open to do that because I'm telling you people's fee sheets, what you're doing is paying for their rent and their mortgage and their car notes. And at the end of the day, you're going to see that you and your bank account isn't getting along very well where you should have had maybe a better plan in, in place and also trusted yourself more because the way that my business looks now and what I'm doing myself, it did not start out this way. So now I'm doing all the things. So when you were saying Brie, that you saw some IG pictures of like the top and some stuff like that, that's me modeling. I'm like, I'm not trying to pay a model $100 an hour or 50 right now. Um, that photographer was also free. I told my husband, this is what we're doing. You can get over being impatient because free sounds real good right now. And I'm good enough in Lightroom and Photoshop to make it work if whatever you did didn't turn out. But he did a great job. And with an iPhone. As Come far on. as this content creation me and Canva and those other little cute apps you can put on your phone like over or whatever they are. I got a couple of them. No, I think it's boost, whatever. We we working it out. So I might be slow. You might only see one post a day, but I'm going to get there. But I can do it. Obviously I can do it. And it looks the way that I wanted it to look like to begin with. Why in the world was I spent? I mean, really, y'all listen, if you have questions about the fashion industry and you want to know what you can and can't do and what you should invest money in, just reach out and, and let me know. I love you so much. That was so good. So good. Thank you. <laughs> I tell people all the time, use what you have. Stop being so quick to spend money. That's how I started off with my brand. I went, I was like, you know, I want to be booming and banging. Right. (laughs) People to do what they need to do so we can make this happen and I can look good. And money runs out. Let's just be honest. You still got your bills to pay. You still got other things that you need to do. You know, it's not... I don't want to discourage people when I say that, but you have to be real with yourself. That's why it's important to have a blueprint. That's why it's important to have a plan. Like Elisa said, you have to sit down and understand what you want to do first, do your research, and then go after it. 
So if you have some free resources that's there for you and you know who to reach out to, you got to reach out to them. <laughs> right. Start yeah. with your community first. For free. And know who your community is. And I, I, I only say that because I did so much, quote unquote, networking. Mm-hmm. When I first started trying to get to know people here in Dallas and it and I just stopped because it was the wrong type of networking. Mm, I, I was even part of um, quote fashion community as well thinking, oh, that's going to be great. But for what I'm doing, I'm not trying to be a fashion blogger. Um, so that's not really helping me and the, what they're interested in isn't the same type of fashion niche, you know, um, I'm not trying to be just a personal stylist and I'm not over here making t-shirts. There's nothing against that, but if you're saying, oh yeah, I want to be a fashion designer be a little more specific because there are people who consider themselves designers and they're selling t-shirts through Teespring and all those places, which is great. And, and this, and it's no, no shade. Like if, if you're doing it well, cause I know somebody who does that very well and I love what she puts out, but that's not what I do. That's not the same type of networking. Right. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So definitely know what community <laughs> you need to be in. Oh, and the one other little piece of advice I would throw out there is make sure that you check out LinkedIn when you're trying to find these resources. You can put in the different types of, for instance, if you're looking for eco-friendly, put that in, see who and what pops up. If you are looking for, I don't know, painting, designing, whatever, also use LinkedIn as a source. That way you can actually see people around you, the companies they work for, if they're freelance, all of that kind of stuff. And that's one thing that I didn't do in the beginning that I probably should have done. Yes, that is good. Thank you for sharing that. That's good. Because I don't use LinkedIn, I'm going to be honest, girl. I, I didn't either. Now I do, though. <laughs> that's good because apparently it worked for you. So that's good that you're sharing that resource. So thank you. Thanks. Yeah, my current pattern maker, um, that's how I found out more about him. So we'll collaborate sometimes. So, yeah. Yes. All right. So I know you mentioned your handler for Instagram. How can people get in touch with you? Instagram, your website, anything that has to do with you, how can people find you? And Harris in the house. Yes, so uh, the website is harrisonhollis.com and Harrison has two R's, Hollis has two L's, but harrisonhollis.com. There is a join our journey newsletter that you can sign up for, or you can email info at harrisonhollis.com if you want to email me. And also, like I said before, if you want to just send a message on Instagram at Shop Harrison Hollis, you can do that as well. Great. And what can we look forward to when it comes to Harrison Hollis, Elisa, join the journey? What's next for you guys? So what's next is focusing on this pre-sale, to be honest with you, (laughs) getting everything 
ready. Right now I am in the pre-production stages, so I'm working on the final samples. And all a sample is, is what it will look like or as close to what it's going to look like before it comes out. Right now I'm tweaking the sleeve length on some things, making sure the hem and the seaming that's used is in place. So once that is over, I'll actually do a whole, I'm about to launch, this is what's going to come up. Um, so the official first travel inspired mini collection will be dropping and that's what's coming up next. But to be the first to know about it, again, the newsletter is where all the business is happening. Thank you. All right, and we're gonna close it out with a motivational moment. Um, usually these are quotes, verses, um, maybe just statements that I just come across and I want to bring it on my platform. So today, this is something that I ran across on Instagram. I'm going to share my thoughts about it after I read it, and then you let me know what you think, okay? Sure. Okay, so you will never have to force something that is meant to be. I'm going to say it again. You will never have to force something that is meant to be. So this is by the platform Side Hustle Bible. If you guys want to go follow them, they had a lot of great content. So shout out to them. Um, but when I first read that, I thought about chaos. I've learned through my own personal experience, when things, when I step into a new process, if that's, you know, my business or a new client or me trying to find out a new skill, if it becomes too chaotic to where it's like, um, what am I doing this for? And it's like that time and time and time again, it's not probably meant for you to move forward. Now, I'm not saying things that are new in life, it won't require effort because effort is definitely necessary, right? But what I am saying is, is when it becomes chaotic to where it's like, really? Am I getting another door closed and then another door closed and another, 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 another? At that point, you're trying to force something that's not meant to be. And so what I've realized with things that do go right, if I'm obedient to God, right? Let's start there. Exactly. Um, it's more of a smooth process to where I can look back at it and say that was a learning lesson to get to where I am today. And whatever learning lesson that is, it's probably going to be a testimony for me to help other people. So when I read that, those were the things that were going through my head to where I have to apply it with everything that I do in life. It goes back to intentions, right? Exactly. I have to recognize when things are not meant for me versus things where, okay, I do need to put effort into it versus me trying to talk my way out of it, right? you have to learn the balance of it. And you won't learn the balance if you don't get uncomfortable because you have to move forward with things. But when those results keep closing the door, baby, you gotta move on to something else. <laughs> so that's what came to me when I read it. So what are your thoughts on it? You know what? I don't have anything to add because exactly what you were saying about when things are happening and that when they happen in such a way over and over again, 
I mean, those aren't the times to be like, which I don't like this statement anyway, but those aren't the times to be like, ah, oh, show me a sign. I mean, really? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. he not. kept showing you, he, you know, and then you kind of, there's something that goes on internally too, where you're like, hmm, is, am I being led to do this or am I just trying to do what I want to do? Um, you, so the way that you put it was just so on point. I really don't have anything else to add because I 100% agree. And I have had that same, that exact same experience. And that's how I move now as well. But it took me a while to get there. And I mean, for the listeners that, you know, loyal, listen to the show, I can say this is another one that fits with our conversation for today, especially with you going to the Marine Corps and how (laughs) that was really trying to get you to gain those (laughs) but it just wasn't working. So I can say this is another one in the books for Motivational Moment that actually goes with the conversation. So that's another blessing from God. (laughs) I take those in certain times because it just lets me know that everything I do is intentional. You know, I want God's hands to be all over this platform. So with that being stated, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. I greatly, greatly enjoyed it. And I'm so glad you thought enough of me to invite me on. So thank you. You're welcome. Are there any last thoughts before we close out today? Oh, no. I talked entirely too much. I didn't even know I had that in me. play I told you what was going to happen (laughs) you did (laughs) but you know what I'll just say anyone who's listening if you're curious about anything that you think that I could help you with the dollar sign is free so (laughs) just reach out let me know and I will say if for any reason there's someone listening to this who have struggled with or is currently struggling with suicidal thoughts, it's okay to get help. And I would highly suggest that you do so. Thank you, thank you. Well, you guys and gals, thank you again so much for tuning to another episode of What's Good Podcast Season 4. And if you're listening to this morning, noon, evening, or night, thank you and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, for more updates, you can follow me on Instagram at what's good underscore podcast or my personal account b.javon underscore. Javon is spelled J-O-V-A-H-N. You can catch me on Twitter, what's good underscore pod C for Charlie. And then you can also catch me on Facebook at what's good podcast. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe and also leave reviews for me to also see. And I can also respond back to you guys. Let me know what you're thinking of the podcast and any updates. Thank you. Have a good one.